Welcome to another episode of What's Up, Woody, the podcast where it's time to have a real conversation. My name is Woody Woodbeck, your host, and today's guest is the absolutely stunning and one of the real ones, Gigi McGuire. How are you, boo? Hey, boo. I'm good. What up? You know, it's been so long since we've seen um, each other. Oh, too long, especially too, since too. close now. I know. Wait, I do live close now. I, I, she's talking about I moved to Atlanta. I'm living for the city. You know, there, there's such an energy and a vibe about being here that's so different than other places. And I'm sure, like, everyone says that about their cities, right? But truthfully, there is something so special about Atlanta. It is. And, and I can't, what do you think it is? So I the nerd in me on. is going to tell you the nerd answer. And the nerd answer is that Atlanta is built on this magnificent granite that radiates from the sun and it just attracts greatness, right? That's something that a lot of people don't know that like Atlanta is literally built on like granite and we all know how powerful that stone is. But what initially tr- attracted me to Atlanta when I first moved here was it's such a positive place. Like people really got their stuff together here. Like they own businesses and they are educated and, you know, people are thriving in all walks of life and all cultures. You know, you got your Asians and your Mexicans and your black and your white and everybody is just this one um, melting pot of so many different cultures where so many people are doing so well within life. Um and when I first moved here, I had no idea that it was like that because I really hadn't spent much time here. But in the first couple of months of me living here, like I would meet so many people that impressed me. And that in itself was just like, wow, this place is really special. And then, I mean, of course, I was able to thrive here as well. Um, but over the years, it's still like it hasn't there hasn't been a decline. It's only been getting better and better. I left and came back and it's still like Atlanta is just an amazing place. I love it here. Yeah, I agree. I think the first time that I, well, funny enough, the first time I was ever here was when I was in college in New York and it was my first time ever on a plane. Our journalism department took a trip and like, it was like a group of like 12 of us, 13 of us students that came to Atlanta. They put my fat ass on a plane stuffed me into a seat uh, <laughs> and I flew down here and we toured the CNN building. And like, I have a picture of me and my fellow like radio people in front of the Olympic park. Like that's literally now across the street from where I live. And like, it's so weird. It's such a small world. And then I, uh, as I became an adult, I came back for work and I, and I ended up working on a bunch of shows here. Um, and I, I love it. I, I honestly, I, you know, I love the South in general. I always say I do feel like in another lifetime I was from the South uh, just because I have such an admiration for it and the people here. Um, But the city, you know, what I I don't think we ever expected was Georgia and Atlanta to become the epicenter for American politics, (laughs) Um, especially over the past couple of years. It's become this such an important place that speaks to where I think the state is headed. Obviously, I think that people forget Georgia is still a very heavily red state, Mm -hmm. but I think the blue is on the come up, if that makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, um, so I don't want, like, I want you to describe you to the audience. Gigi and I know each other. She was on a show that I was co-executive producer for WeTV called Beyond the Pole season two. 
still think it was a dumbass decision to cancel the show. I, uh, no offense to anybody that works there. I love them, but I really felt like season two really found its groove. Um, and, uh, it would have been great to be able to go on and continue to tell your stories, um, in such a special way that we did in the middle of the fucking pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, your background. So I am originally from Philadelphia. I grew up um, with my mother, my father, and my stepfather. So I was heavily influenced by family and love and just a sense of community. Um, I became a mother at the age of 17. Um, Unfortunately, I lost her father five days after my second birthday. And um, just the chips that fell after that, I landed in the strip club. I was basically homeless and a single mother and my back was against the wall. So as a means of survival, strip became my my way out. Um, I left the strip club and started bartending. And then uh, I ended up leaving Philadelphia for Atlanta with hopes of continuing on bartending. But I literally fell into Magic City and won their amateur night contest and in return was offered a position as a dancer there. So about a year or so later, I became one of their very first feature performers. That uh, union turned into what we all know and love as the Snack Pack, which was Magic City's feature uh, pole dancing crew that kind of started the whole ball rolling of the pole dancing you know, crews uh, all over, not just Atlanta, but in other cities and states as well. Um, I stopped dancing in 2011. I had my monumental last dance and, um, I took that money and opened up a pole dance studio. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll get into that later though. And, um, from there, I ended up moving to New York for love. I was in a relationship for uh, a little over 11 years that was on and off. And when it ended, I found myself back here in Atlanta. Uh, meantime, while I was living in New York, I have a very close friendship with Angela Yee. And when she decided to bring her podcast lip service uh, as a thing, uh, as a podcast, I'm sorry, it was a show previously. And um, she decided to make it a podcast in 2014. And she asked me to co-host that. So since then, I've been co-hosting lip service. Even with me moving back to New York, I mean, moving back to Atlanta from New York, I still continue to co-host lip service. Um, I fly there weekly or bi-weekly to film episodes and lip services are really doing good right now. So besides Beyond the Pole and a few bartending gigs here and there, that's really just the gist of what I have going on right now for now. <laughs> yeah. And, and and trust me, if there's one thing I know about you, you're a hustler. You're always mm-hmm. keeping yourself busy, always on your grind. And I appreciate that about you because it takes hustle and no hustle. And trust me, I, I know exactly what that game is like. <laughs> you know what I what I want to know or what for the audience that doesn't know that's listening. Magic City is basically uh, like the, the the place, the Disneyland of strip. strippers <laughs> that's, a Atlanta. that's basically like yeah. what it is it yeah. is where everyone goes it's talked about in songs it's talked about on tv shows it's everywhere yeah. and um if you've heard a rap song i promise you nine times out of ten they have mentioned magic city <laughs> um and so for the history of that place you are a part of that history because you set the precedent for what it was to be dancer there. Yeah. So talk to me about 
your time there and what it meant for you. And you were at such a kind of like a pivotal place in your life where you were figuring things out, right? So obviously that's that place played a magic part, no pun intended, <laughs> um, in your life. Talk to me a yeah. little bit about that. So again, I was bartending when I came to Atlanta. I came here because I was uh, looking for a change in life. I was running in some bad circles. I was running away from an ex who was very abusive and um, attempted to take my life at one point. And I really came here with no plan, a few thousand dollars and um, a floor to sleep on, literally, because I had a family member here and she didn't have much space, but she offered me, you know, at least a warm place to sleep. So um, it just happened. Like, I don't even know, you know, how, but one thing led to the next. And now I'm working at Magic City. Um, I was there for about six weeks, um, sleeping on the floor, working every day, uh, 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Monday through Saturday, because I didn't know anybody here. I didn't have any friends. And I was really in like ultimate grind mode. So um, I, at the time I was 120 pounds, I was an A cup and I was initially very nervous and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, intimidated to even think about working there because, you know, you think the South big booty girls and I wasn't given that, but what I did have besides, um, talent was personality. So I always feel like that the com the combination of my talent, my looks, and my personality is really really what kind of drove my success at Magic City. Um, again, yeah. the pole dancing thing is something that wasn't a thing when I first got here. Like the day that I did my amateur contest, the owner's jaw hit the floor. He had not seen anything like that, and um, hence, which is why he asked me to work there. Um, right. Years years into it we became an influence. So it's like, we would create pole tricks that to this day, um, we, you can go in Magic City and see these girls on stage 10, 12, 15 years later, still, you know, doing pole tricks that we really created in, in our time as the snack pack. Like we would have, um, we would try to get, most of us came from a dance background, myself, Virgo, Simone, um, we all came from like a, a dance or like a cheerleading or whatever background, uh, um gymnastics background and we kind of all had like the same not really the same style of dance but we all had the, the same like urge to want to entertain right and we always say there's a difference between a stripper and an entertainer which the stripper is just going to get naked and booty clap and you're going to see everything but an entertainer is going to perform and wow you and you might not see anything but you're not going to care that she never got fully naked because you're so enthralled with this illustrious performance that she's giving so um i like to say that you know i never want to be like big-headed I always want to remain humble but the truth is the truth and before me and the snack pack and those that came you know with us and that's like spider magic and a couple of other entertainers you really didn't get that entertainment out of magic city like off that stage you would get the entertainment by the girls talking to you and dancing for you and your group or in your section but the stage wasn't really a thing until we made the stage a thing and nowadays like i said you can go in there and see girls doing these same pole tricks so for us it's just like wow like we did this and really didn't intentionally mean to do it or think that we were doing what we did at the time but here we are a decade later and we really did this 
So yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to think about because culturally you really help define a lot of that when you really step back and look at it because <clears throat> it is a part of <clears throat> nightlife here, a huge part of nightlife here, and that determines and also affects hand in hand with pop culture. And yep. I think that you know as we saw strippers are a thing um, and dancers are a thing in that world and you can't turn a blind eye to it it's in every video it's in you know it's it's a thing so like trying to ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist doesn't make sense because it does it is it's and here it's not going like fashion like the it girlies are naked outside they're wearing outfits that we would wear dancing in or here's ladybug they would um they wear these outfits that we wear would wear back then to dance in or they um you gotta get the outfit off, sorry. Or, you know, they're in the sheer with the nipples showing and they're in the 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 skirt with the booty bottom showing, a little butt cheek at the bottom showing, yeah. and they're in the platform. Every shoe was a platform, platforms are back in, and every shoe looks like a stripper heel, and they're wearing the lashes and the 40-inch weaves and wigs, and it's just like when we were initially doing it and we had that aesthetic, it was like, oh, I wonder what club she worked at. Now it's like, everybody looks like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, first they laugh and then they copy, you know? Yeah. We, we, yeah. we, we, we kiki and, and we have our little inside joke and giggles about that as well, because it's, we remember when we looked like that and we were set apart because we looked like that in a negative way. And now we've influenced the culture to where, so every, not every woman, but a lot of women um, or looking like, even down to getting their bodies done. Like almost every stripper had a big booty. Uh, the reason why I did any uh, plastic surgery or a butt shots or anything that I did to my body was because I was a dancer and I felt like it would help make me more money, which it did. Now it's like, I, I recently had lipo and I was in massages and, and healing spaces with women who are just regular everyday women doing regular everyday jobs. And it's just like, here, here is yeah. another thing that was inspired by this uh, stripper culture that the everyday girlies are picking up now. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> what do you think it is like when you look at, um, when you look at what a strip club looks for in a dancer? Like what- I think that it's a difference now yeah. versus back then. I know before Do you think before you answer that, do you think now it had like somebody that may not necessarily fit the part might get an opportunity because they have a large social media following? Yeah. 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 I think before it was more of what you look like. It was never if you can dance or not. Most clubs don't care if you can actually do pole tricks or how good you actually dance because that's not you would think that that's what they was looking for and you know I honestly thought that that's what the club might have been looking for before I even thought about being a stripper my first process was okay you know this is what they're going to want but in our reality there's so many women who become dancers who never danced before and don't know how to dance and there is no trainer or anything so they kind of just fall in and blend in with everybody else but these days, social media plays such a role because everything is basically surrounded. You know, everything is evolving around what's happening on the Internet and social media plays the hugest part of the Internet right now. Um, I feel like the it's the followers, it's the popularity, because in turn, 
this is what's going to bring the guys in. These girls that are popular online, now the guys have a place to come and see them. So if they're promoting, hey, I'm at Magic City, I'm at Magic City, then nine times out of 10, if a guy is looking to come see them, they're going to come see them at Magic City. Sure, sure. That makes sense. I feel like, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but isn't that kind of how Milk Marie got into it? Or no, am I crazy to think that? I'm not sure. I don't I'm remember. Not, Milk Marie was another cast member on, on Beyond the Pole. I could have sworn that's how she got into it, but I probably am wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I I love um I love that you guys were so able to heavily influence pop culture in such an indirect way. It's so interesting, you know. And and to think about it, you did it so many years ago when you really had to work for it, right? Like I was thinking about it the other day. And I said to somebody, I was like, when you got 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 followers on social media 10 years ago, it was a big fucking deal. Like yeah. people were like, oh shit, like you're somebody notable, you know? Yeah. Like I remember when I had videos go viral years ago, because I had several of them, and people were like, damn, they're playing your video in bars and this and that and other things. And I was like, this is crazy. And now it's like an everyday occurrence, you yeah. know, but like we worked for that shit. And I know yeah. that you guys worked really hard for what you had. Why yeah. did you ultimately decide to walk away? Did you feel, well, let me ask you before, before you give me an answer to that. What, what did you find fulfilling about that world? Dancing? Yeah. Oh, the freedom. Okay. Number one answer, the freedom, the money, of course, but that's inevitable. The freedom, the fact that I could make my own schedule, per se, the fact that I could take any time off for vacation or mental health or whatever reason I felt without getting an okay, the fact that I would be able to basically wake up every day and decide if I wanted to work or not. You know, I could travel towards the end of my time at Major City, I would travel with my, my boyfriend at the time, and I would be going for a month to six weeks and it wouldn't matter. Like I would come back and they missed me. Any other job, you can't just leave for a month right. to six weeks right. and think that you even have a job, let alone come back and they missed you. So hands down, it was the freedom. It was the freedom, the financial freedom, and also the freedom of just really being my own boss and being able to determine when I worked, how I worked, what days I worked, um, how much time I would put into work and being able to take off whenever I wanted to. Yeah. yeah, there is, you know, obviously we've talked about this. I worked at Nightlife for a long time. So like, I un I understand that. But I wanted to ask you something that I experienced was some some part of me for a long time felt like if I walked away from Nightlife, I would lose a little bit of my identity, right? Like I was I was a little bit afraid that like, to put it bluntly, like I was afraid that nobody would give a shit. If about, you were in that same position. Yeah, like, or if I like, if I walked away from nightlife at my prime, if ever, like if people actually would have cared about me after that. Yeah, did, it's kind of like an those... out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, did you ever, did you ever think about that when you were talking about retiring? I didn't. My retirement really didn't have a, it wasn't a long drawn out conversation. It was definitely a kind of split decision moment. Um, I wish I would have thought a little more longer and harder about it and kind of strategized a little differently. But I mean, that was so many years ago at this point, it doesn't matter. 
Um, but I do feel as though out of sight, out of mind does apply. But at the same time, I made such a name for myself in within the industry. And um, I continue to kind of rep for the industry. Like I'll never not be Gigi McGuire from Magic City. No matter what I move on in life to do, I will always have that connection. Um, you know, Kafi was born in Philadelphia, but Gigi was made at Magic City. And that's something that will always be within who I am, a part of my identity. So I feel like if I was not this person that I became within that entity, then maybe that would be a problem for me. But because I became such a large part of that business and, and of that building that I kind of could never shake it. Yeah, it's interesting because when you become synonymous with something, it's hard to forget you, you know, truthfully, especially something like that and something that's still culturally so relevant, you know, what do you like, what was your net average, like walk, walk through like somebody that's listening to this and would have never thought about being a dancer. Like what was your average night like? Um, I want to know what like the prep process was. Did you do you have to shave every night? Like, do you wet? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, like, well, I, I went know. from shaving. I I evolved with my um feminine hygiene over the years, so I actually <laughs> went from shaving to waxing to laser. Okay. Um, but you know, um, around maybe probably around this time of day because we would have to sign in between eight and eleven. So around this time of day, I would be, you know, showering and getting myself together, packing my little whole bag and, you know, getting myself ready, eating something or whatever the case may be. Um, I would get to work, sign in. In the beginning, it was a little bit different. But towards the end, once I kind of refined myself as a elite entertainer, then my routine became a little different. So as a baby stripper, I was doing my own hair and makeup. Sometimes I would come to work with my makeup already done, depending on what I was doing that day. Um, as a, as an OG stripper and entertainer, I would now get my hair and makeup done when I got to the club, you know, professionally, um, not per se every single night, but on the busier nights, the weekends, the Mondays, of course. Um, so you would come in, sign in hair and makeup. We would hang out in the dressing room and just shoot shit with each other. Kind of like a locker room situation. Um, you know, going over whatever current events or, you know, just kicking it with the girls while we would get dressed. And it was such a camaraderie back then that, of course, it was clicks and it was kind of like, you know, gang against gang sometimes. But at the same time, we were all it was a sisterhood. So we were kind of just like queuing on what each other had going on. Um, the club would start to get crowded probably around 9, 10, 10, 11. And then that's when work would really get the going. So as um, Gigi from the Snack Pack, I went on stage at 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. So no matter what I was doing, what time I got my hair and makeup done, if I was upstairs on the floor early or not, I knew showtime started at midnight. And from midnight to 3 a.m., that was my power hour. That was my run. I would go on stage with my first set with the Snack Pack. If it was busy, we would, you know, throw the money in the in the closet in the a locker or lock the money up. And if it wasn't, we would count the money. Then we would hit the floor and you work the floor. And then we go back on stage at two o'clock. And then it's the last hour, the power hour to get it in, you know, the last. And after that, the night was over. It was go so fast sometimes. Um on earlier on, it would be a little different for me because I would have to hustle more. 
So I would have to spend more time on the floor. Then there was also a time when I went through my hookah phase. So this is before like hookah was a thing being sold in the club and I had my own hookah. So I would like bring my hookah to the club. Ladybug, thank you. <laughs> Ladybug is her dog. She's so cute. I would bring my hookah in the club. So now I would either in between my hair and makeup appointment, you know, or time frame, or after doing hair and makeup early, I would come up on the floor when it was still a little slow and I would sit up there with the hookah and all the girls hang around and we'll smoke our hookah and have a couple of drinks or whatever while we kind of pre-gamed and wait for the club. So it I went through so many phases working there that it was never really a cookie cutter, like this is what I'm doing. It just all depends on like what time frame of Gigi McGuire was we're even talking about in my six years at Magic City. That makes sense. Um, you know, uh, I I wanted something you hit on a little bit, and I want to talk a little bit a little bit more about it. Is, you know, obviously we have seen a lot of the commercialization of what a nightclub looks like through all facets of entertainment, music videos, um, beyond the pole, even yeah. um, you know, uh, movies like Hustlers um, and uh, P Valley. You know, everyone is kind of giving life. Um, in a different way to what that world looks like. What does that mean to you to have representation like that, to know that probably, I can probably say that you probably influenced a lot of that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, It's a a good feeling to know that Strip is finally being seen in a positive light. Because years ago, when Strip was featured in TV and movies, it was always uh, uh, a drug-addicted woman, a woman with a pimp, a woman that didn't take care of her kids, uh, represented as uneducated or just airheady, you know, boobs and no brains. And for shows like Peabody and Hustlers, and even as far as... um, uh, what's this show that Eva Eva uh, has with the guys in the strip club? The, all the queens. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Even with shows like that, strip is being shown in a positive light, but it's also more about the life of an entertainer outside of the club that's being shown, especially with like Peabody. So you have um, just so many different point of views, like you said, of what actually goes on inside and also outside the club with these women and men who are in this industry. And it's just like, for so many years, we got put down for being dancers. We got put down for making, using our bodies to make money. And oh, we gotta be hoes. And oh, you'll fuck anybody or you'll do anything for a dollar if you choose to make money with your body. And it's just like, for it to be celebrated in such a positive light, these this time around and in these current years and these current shows where it's getting shown you know more of what it really is versus what people might think it is they have never been um me personally I'm very proud you know I'm very proud that it's finally getting the the real spotlight that it deserves because we aren't all and even with beyond the pole a lot of our emphasis on telling our stories was to what we said this all the time change the narrative right Mm -hmm. I can't remember I cannot remember saying it changed the narrative so many times as I did during um the time filming beyond the pole but that's really for me personally what it was about is we have to let these the world know that we are mothers we are educated women we are homeowners we are business owners we are wives 
You know, we take care of our children. We handle our business. We get the money and we are educated and we do all of these things and we juggle all of these things. And it's really something that's a real thing. It's really something that's happening. It's not now, granted, there are some unfortunate pimp, pimp having drug addicted, you know, women who don't take care of their children. But there's so many more of us who are the other way. There's so many more of us who really are handling our business and using this money to do more with than just buy Mercedes and designer bags. But so, it, what I will say to that point is that is in every, and it doesn't matter what industry, there are people that are not the greatest in every aspects of the world. It doesn't yeah, matter. Because of the negative tone that has always put on the strip industry, you know, it automatically goes to this is what these women do. You know, these women don't, they don't care for themselves. They don't value their body. They don't value the, they don't understand that their body is a temple. And like, yes, I do. That's why I'm using it to make money. Child. Right. <laughs> right. I understand my worth, which is why I'm making your daddy's paycheck every night. Okay. Which is why exactly. I'm making a doctor's salary and I don't even have a college of college degree let alone a high school diploma yeah yeah i i think there's such a it, it's interesting to me because you know working in nightlife for so long we a lot of and i don't even know if you know this but like i gained a lot of notoriety my business partner and i because we did nights that featured male strippers and all of our parties always had male dancers and we had the party on a wednesday night at here lounge in west hollywood for eight plus years that was called stripper circus and everyone came because we had the elite of the elite the hottest guys around the block we would do a midnight strip down where we turn the lights off in the club and you know whatever happened happened you know like things happened um but i all i used to get into like full-blown arguments with people because friends would like talk shit about dancers and i would be like yo that guy actually uh is in medical school or that guy owns a house or like i would like take it so personally and i don't even it, like my friends would be like why are you defending them i'm like because, because they're yeah and they're they're doing what they have to do to survive every every dancer male or female every dancer has their own story their own reason why their own role to the club their own goals for what they're doing why they're there or what they plan to do after everybody's story is completely unique that's one thing about dancers is no one has the exact same story as to why they're doing it you know you have so many different reasons as to why and it's just like we all come here with one clear understanding in that is that we are it's a means of survival we're here to make money to be able to accomplish whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish at the end of the day that's all it's about period yeah i mean it, it, exactly and i and i hope that you know as things become more and more mainstream and are talked about and normalized i hope that people understand and respect it that much more because i think I, slowly but surely that's that's happening. That's happening. Definitely. I want well, to ask you before we move on to some fun stuff, I want to ask you a couple of things. What was your most, what was your favorite part about doing beyond the pole? I mean, besides working with me, of course. <laughs> um, being able to just that change in the narrative, being able to put myself out there as an example of what a dancer really is or what a woman in that industry really is. Um, we had a great, 
even though I didn't get along with everybody on the cast, we know that, but we did have a good group of women and we we did all come together at some point or another at, and created a sisterhood. Um, the It was hard, you know, going through COVID, all of the testing and even down to the beginning with the quarantine episode and filming yeah. on Zoom and everything, like trying to connect and just the, the technology and everything. And when somebody would catch COVID and we had to shut down and go back to the computer, it was just so much work. But I will say that that was, um, it wasn't my first reality TV experience, but it was the first reality TV experience for me as an actual cast member. So I appreciated that experience. I can say that that is something that I have under my belt is something that I would be able to do again and understand in a better light because I've been through it. So I'm just still to this day appreciative um, to everyone involved for the opportunity. And I really do wish, as you said, that it we would have continued on because I really feel like that we were off to a good stride. I just honestly think that the timing was off because I, of- I, I think so too. I think so if the show, if we were producing the show right now, I think it would be very different. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I have to say, you know, the one thing that I'm, I'm most honored about being a part of the show, and I give Shantae a lot of credit, Shantae Page created the show. She started that show, you know, pretty much like super low budget and got and did it on her own and believed so much in the world and the people. And like, you know, she worked hard to really make that show something because she believed in so much in telling these people's stories. And I, I give her all the credit in the world for, for that because she really just all the time. Yeah. Does she want to make a hit show? Sure. But she really just wanted to like really honor y'all in a positive light. And I, and I really appreciate that about her a lot. Yeah, definitely. You know, I wanted to ask you, what was it like doing P-Valley? If anybody doesn't watch P-Valley, you're crazy. Uh, The great show (laughs) on stars. Um, Talk a little bit about your experience and how they came to be because you basically like played yourself, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 which is crazy. Yeah, so mind blown. I'm still mind blown. Um, Shout out to my girls. We know Virgo from Beyond the Pole, but also Simone, who was a part of our Snack Pack crew um, and uh, Chinette, who is also, they're all three are actresses on P-Valley and they've been on P-Valley since season one. Um, I was still to this day, I'm so very proud of them for being able to, um, you know, get casted just from the very beginning, not even knowing that it would get to where it is today. When I got the call, it was from Simone. And she's like, um, she's actually the, as well as being an actress on the show, she's the the assistant choreographer to the main, she's assistant to the main choreographer. So she kind of has the insight on what's going on behind the scenes a little more than as her Mm -hmm. actress position would have. Um, So I got the phone call from her and she's like, they want to honor some real OGs this season. They want to bring a few women in that are known in this industry for being in this industry and you are at the top of the list. And even at that moment, without knowing that it was a speaking role, without knowing what the storyline was, I was just so excited to even be acknowledged and to be a part of the the whole entity of Peabody in itself, because it's such an important show. It's such a groundbreaking um, show. And to have the opportunity to even be a part of it is just, I'm grateful for that. Being on a scripted TV show as myself, why? Like, I think that's better than even asking to be a 
character, right? Like I would love to have a full-time position with my girls, especially with my girls. You get what I'm saying? I would love to have the opportunity. However, the opportunity that I have of actually being myself. And again, this goes back to, you know, so many doors were closed in my face because I was a stripper. So many times people judged me. So many times I my nose turned up to me, uh, you know, this, you know, just looked down upon for being a dancer. So to all these years later, to be acknowledged for being a trendsetter, for being a real OG, for being a legend in this industry, um, it's an honor that I will forever be grateful for. Um, I was wild then. I'm wild now. Like that's a high that I don't think I'll ever come down from, honestly, because it meant so much going back to, again, there's so many times where the negative, like just reaction from people finding out what I actually did for a living. I've had that feeling so many times. So to have this one feeling of this is, you know, we're we're bowing down to you for greatness and yeah. we're honoring it on a scripted TV show on a major network. Like I'll 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 really never come down from that high. It was it was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate tip of the hat, that's for sure. You know, like just just being able to have a show of that caliber and notoriety, especially right now. I think that season two really took that show to the next level and uh and the actors are just incredible and i remember watching some of the cast around tamron hall and she made one of the cast members cry i forget who it was but she was saying that she's like this is some of the best television i've ever seen on tv and the acting and just the way that people are portrayed they just have done such a great job and I know there was a lot of fear that they weren't going to get a third season so I was really happy and I remember like sending screenshots to my friends who were big fans of the show and they were I was like you guys it's coming back it's coming back so um, I give all the credit in the world to to them and to Virgo and that whole crew you know just keep it coming keep it coming they're actually going production is starting for them in the next couple of months I get the, you know, I get the insight because my girls is a part of it. Of so. course, of course. So for everybody that's out there wishing, waiting, and praying, it's coming, y'all. They about to go back to work, okay? <laughs> they can't, they, <laughs> they can't wait. It's coming, it's coming. They, we all want to see what's going to happen next. <laughs> on everyone, everyone, everyone does, yes. <laughs> I want to talk about guys in a strip club. Yes. Okay. Are they, because in my mind, uh, I tend to think that men can be a bit of the pig uh, uh, stature when they're in the club. Would you agree? Yes, no, maybe. You know, because I did find it interesting. The one thing that I did, I loved about working with y'all is you would tell me stories that always surprised me about like, (laughs) yeah, like people that, you know, who just wanted to hang out with us and would pay us to just spend time or like whatever. So what how what would your assessment of men in the strip club be so you do get the guys that are piggish you know you get the guys that just don't know no better you get the guys that are either drunk and you know belligerent or you get the guys that are just young and inexperienced right so you get that little bit of ignorance of they just don't know any better um the majority of guys that come in a club and especially magic city they are just vibing they are either a first-time customer or they're a repeat customer and they know the vibes right so Magic city is one of those places where first of all it's one big open room so everybody sees everything and everything that's happening sure, right, right? Sure. Stage in the middle and everything is focused around the stage 
and you kind of feel the vibe of staying in check. Like there's times where I I, I managed a club in Philly um, back in 2015 and they the patrons in that club act a little different than they did down here in Atlanta. And I would try to give that same vibe and try to create that same atmosphere. And one of the examples I'm going to use is women dancing, right? So in Atlanta, especially Magic City, a female customer is not going to get up and start twerking on her male friend that she's there with and 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 get dollars thrown on her by the guys that she's with. That's not going to happen. That would happen in the club that I worked at in Philly. And I would be like, y'all can't do that. And they never really understood why I wouldn't let the regular females dance and get tipped because auditions are from 3 p.m. Yeah. 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday. <laughs> right. And if you want to come in here and make some money, then you need to come and audition and get naked like everybody else. If yes. you want your guy friend to throw money on you and for you to pick up off the floor, then you can need to go do that in an establishment where we don't have girls that are being getting paid to do so or have to pay to do so. Like we pay to work. As a dancer, you pay the club, the house fee, bar right. fee, whatever you want to call it. You have to pay admission when you walk in in order to make all of this money that you're making. So why would I allow a regular sh- street walking pedestrian to come in and get tipped? No, I don't care who the money is coming from. Why should I allow you to dance and make money from and that's taken away from the money that could be going to these girls who actually have the position to do so? Um, but that's just a difference in Atlanta and Magic City. I, and I've used Magic City as a reference because clearly that's where the club that I was at. Facts. You're not going to go in there and see girls dancing on their guy friends that aren't dancers and picking up money off the floor. You're not going to see anybody picking up money off the floor. That's just not a thing. It's kind of one of those places where you kind of read the room and you, you know, act accordingly. Yeah, there's a vibe. Um, so that's as right. far as like the men being piggish, it's just like you don't see nobody else acting ass. So act accordingly like read the room yeah. and act accordingly. yeah it's like what, was it, what is it like when you get somebody famous does the tone change or is everyone just like all right well cool yeah again read the room and act accordingly like as a dancer you know you have your freak out moments behind closed doors when you see somebody that like a, a kobe bryant or a puff daddy you know a, a michael jordan or you know somebody of that stature um but we're so used to the, the rappers and the ball players like that's the normal thing like any given night and it don't even have to be a weekend a wednesday afternoon you could have gucci man come and spend ten thousand real quick and while he eating some lemon pepper wings like that's a very normal thing um so even if you know we would downstairs like oh my god i can't believe i'm such a scared by the time we got up them steps you know we put our game face on and what we always understood is we the stars this is something that me and virgo used to say all the time they came to see us I'm not about to go head over heels excited about somebody who came to my That's job. That's a great point. Do what I do. You know what I'm saying? So that that was always kind of like the mindset. Like we are the entertainer. Like if I'm going to a Usher concert, then I'm going to an Usher concert to see Usher perform. And that's, you know, the vibe. If Usher coming to make the city, he coming to see us perform. And that's right. the vibe. You get what I'm saying? So yep. again, read the room and act accordingly. It's interesting because I'll tell you, I just went and saw Trevor Noah what, last Sunday? Yeah. And uh, in Atlanta. And, he, you know, a lot of his his whole hour and a half show was about Atlanta and the people here and, you know, lots of really fun stuff. And I, I laughed so hard that I walked out there with a huge smile on my face. But he talks about he was like, well, I couldn't come to Atlanta and not, not go to Magic City. And he went to Magic City and he talks about his time there. And I just 
I remember laughing because I was like, man, oh man, that is just the epitome of what that club in the city is. It's like, you can't come to Atlanta and not go to Magic City. And what people also don't know is the food. The food in the strip clubs in Atlanta are top notch. Five star restaurants. Wild. Mm -hmm. That is wild. I remember I came, I was doing Married to Medicine and we shot at Cheetah. Cheetahs, yeah. cheetahs. And we had our lunch break there. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. You now, mind you, I had only really ever been in maybe so one cheetahs restaurant is like a real restaurant. Facts, yes. Love you. We, we ate like while the women were dancing. And I just remember being like, Well, this is the first. Like yeah, and this there is really are, like white tablecloth, yeah, calm, calm clean <laughs> right. service. They got the good crab cakes without all the filler. They got lamb chops. They got, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you, you getting a $50 plate at the cheapest. Yeah, it was, it was great. And, and honestly, I just remember laughing at myself and I was like, here I am, little gay boy, just working in reality TV, <laughs> eating fish and chips while there was half naked women dancing in front of me. <laughs> and it's such a normal thing, right? Yeah. And everyone uh, was, it was totally not abnormal. It was, yeah. it was wild. Yeah. I, I want to um, give, uh, sorry, to, I no. want to, before we get off of the, cause I know we're moving on from Made City, yeah. but right before we get away from Made City, I want to give a little exclusive, sure. right? Because I love you so much. I'm gonna give you some tea. Okay. So, um, Michael Barney Sr., who was Big Magic, the owner of Magic City, Correct. and Man Dupree, who we all, who we all know and love as the mayor of hip hop in Atlanta. Yes. They are executive producing the docu-series for Magic City. It's a three-part docu-series. And um, production is actually starting within the next two weeks. I'm not sure the network or the streaming service, but it is a huge thing that's happening. And um, I just want to give the heads up that it's coming to have the people and the listeners and everybody kind of buzzing about it and l- watching out for it. Um, I'm definitely a part of it. Um, I don't want to say too much about my role because I kind of wanted to be a surprise, but I have a very intricate part in this whole uh, docuseries, three-part docuseries. So I just kind of wanted to give you an exclusive and spill a little tea while we're talking about how great Magic City is because the docuseries is not just based on Magic City as strip, but also its influence in the city of Atlanta and also the music that comes out of the city of Atlanta. I I love to hear that because JD is one of my heroes. I love that man. Um, Let me just tell you what he does with Mariah Carey every single time. It's complete magic. And if anybody knows anything about me, it is that I love my Mimi. And I actually saw JD um, in New York because I went to Mariah's Christmas show and I saw him there. And then I ran into him for the first time that I've actually ever said hi to him. You know, like I saw him at the Falcons game when the Falcons played uh, my Tom Brady recently. So, um, yeah, well, that's it's so exciting. I'm, I can't wait to uh, to see what Magic City and JD and you. Uh, you yeah, I'll fill you in behind the scenes on what's really yes, going. Please do. Surprise for the people, but it's huge. Uh, yes. it's well, something that I'm very uh, excited and um, gearing up for as we speak. Well, yeah. amazing! I can't. I can't wait. I can, I'm very excited about that. You know. Um, I wanted to have a little fun. So you do a show called Lip Service with Angela, Ange- oh, Angela Yee. Angela <laughs> Yee, um, and uh, who I love and everyone knows from Breakfast Club and she just left Breakfast Club. And um, yeah, her new show actually started today, was day one. It's called- Oh, Wait. amazing. 
Yeah, it's way up with Angela Yee. It's um, right after the Breakfast Club, still on Power 105. So she has that 10 to 2 slot. Um, for the first week, it's just New York, but they, all, they uh, actually gave her 30 markets, and Atlanta is one of them. So starting next Monday, you'll be able to hear way up with Angela Yee from 10 to 2 on 94.5. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that as well, because with me being on her podcast, there's going to be a little crossover. You know, yes. That's very exciting. Yeah, I, I absolutely love her. And, I, you know, I really got to say, like, when she announced that she was leaving that show, as much as I love, you know, Charlemagne and, you know, the, the whole show is a whole, I really feel like she was the glue that held that show together, oh, you know, and I uh, and I love that show. And I love those guys. And I love that, that they push the boundaries and do their own thing. But I am glad that she is getting her flowers child and is getting to do her own thing. Yeah, because more than just being a radio personality, Angela is actually a journalist. She has right. a journalism degree and she um, really played a huge role in the background work that went on to create the not really create the show, but to keep the show going. Like she did a lot of the the paperwork and the footwork and a lot of like, you know, the journalism work. Um, Envy's a DJ and Charlemagne is more of a personality. So a lot of the brunt of the work fell into her lap. And that's one thing that I know personally behind the scenes that she never really got the, uh, the, um, uh, those flowers for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, she deserves that because she's fucking talent and anybody in the right mind sees it. And, and there's definitely someone good. And, you know, when I watch her show, uh, when I and I watch your videos and I hear listening to you guys, she always makes me laugh because she does it. She it's like you guys will ask the craziest questions and she always kind of looks like a little timid at like what somebody's going to say. <laughs> like she gets this look at her face and you but you always keep it a buck. Like you'll be like, what, what you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. You know, like and, and that's what I love. That's what I love about the show. Lip service is is just you can talk about anything sexual and it's not out of the ordinary. Right. It's totally okay. So yes. I want to, uh, I want to definitely dive into some topics because, Hey, listen, there's one thing I don't mind talking about and that's sex. Uh, I think sex what? is healthy. Same. I think it's a beautiful ass thing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I always said for a long, I waited until I was 25 to have sex for the first time. Um, I don't know why. Uh, but, uh, I, when I had full sex for the first time with a man, I was 25 years old which I think is like late, right? Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a big boy. I was a big boy. So like, I never really like sex wasn't like a thing that I really thought about because I was fat and like nobody like- I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't a thing. So like, I think also I was raised Italian Catholic. So like we were always told like, wait till you get married to have sex. And I was like, yeah, you know, but then once I had it, my, and I'm probably, <laughs> probably sharing way too much, but- you know, my roommates in San Francisco used to joke. It was like I had just discovered candy and I just wanted to sample everything in the store. I have a friend um, that I was very close with who identified as gay ever since high school. And we actually danced at Magic City together. And um, one day she just decided to try dick and she had that same epiphany. Like she had just discovered sliced bread. It was just like, oh my God, how did I know that I was gay when I never even tried 
penis. And now that I've tried it, it's so fucking amazing. I just won all of the penis that I can have. Yes. <laughs> she went through this little whole phase where she was like kind of making up for lost time. And I think um, we're not as close as we used to be. We barely even talk these days. But I think now, if I'm not mistaken, she identifies as bisexual. But when I first met her, she was, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay. And then dick happened. So yeah. I want to ask your opinion about something because it always seems to be a topic of conversation when it comes to men. Um, you know, for a long time and still to this day, people I know and other people, when a man that is straight has a gay experience, people tend to trip out over it. And I find it very confusing and I don't understand it. And the reason I say that is because to me, if I think if I put myself in that position, right? I am gay. I am a homosexual. I like men. If I woke up tomorrow and said to a woman, hey, I want to have sex with you. When I wake up the next day, I'm still going to be gay as hell. I'm still going to be gay. So like, I always think that what I don't understand is when people can't separate sexuality and sex, there are two different things. Sex is an act. It's something fun and it's pleasurable. Sexuality is who I am. Right. So I always find it interesting that people are so easy to be like, no, 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 he's gay, he's gay, he's gay. If he has, if he hooks up with a man, I'm like, who the fuck cares? The man wants to get his dick sucked. Period. So I agree with your stance on that. I feel as though it's the whole catch 22 of, for example, if a woman is out here busting it open for, you know, this many guys, then she when a man is having sex with this many women, he's the man. It has that same kind of catch-22 thing happening. But I actually feel that um, a man is not gay unless he's gay. Like, we talk a lot about pegging and rimming and, you know, just playing with a booty hole while on lip service. We talk about it a lot. Um, I've shared some stories of experiences that I have. It's a very free subject that I like to talk about because it's one of those taboo things where, you know, people have such strong opinions about. And I honestly feel that if a man lets me lick the gooch, stick a finger or two up there, that does not make him gay. While other people would say, oh, he let you play with his booty. He gay. He'll do this and he'll do that. And it's just like, I honestly feel like anything a woman does with a man does not make them gay. Um, now, pegging is might take you a little to that line of, you know, enjoying being penetrated, which is a whole sure. different ball game than just a tongue or a finger. Let's be clear. Sure. But again, if a woman is doing it, then it's like something that Clearly, they both enjoy. Um, I do not think that if a man tries or um, has a sexual experience, I might get some head from another man. I don't think that that makes him gay. I think that maybe he was curious or even bi. Um, but again, there is a difference between sex and sexuality. And I feel like once you are dating and and in love with and googly eye for men and not women then that's when it crosses the line to homosexuality but you know everybody has their own opinions and i like to say opinions are like assholes sometimes they're shitty (laughs) (laughs) facts sometimes sometimes you got a shitty asshole and you know it's up to you to clean it up properly you know what else i find interesting is that a city like atlanta has so many men on the dl I can't even tell you when I log on to Grinder, and now mind you, I took a I took some personal time off to like really just work on myself. 
and I stopped having sex and like I I didn't date and like I'm just starting to like put myself back out there. But I will tell you the one thing that I always stayed consistent about Atlanta is when you go on the dating apps, there are a lot of torsos or black profile pages that say DL. Really? Oh, baby, all day long. I'm not surprised. I wonder why that is. Well, my personal uh, assessment or shitty opinion of that would be that (laughs) would be that taking it back to uh, men being put down, especially black men being put down for being homosexual or 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 bi curious. I feel like men aren't. they don't feel like they can freely live their truths. And it's such a sad situation because now you're forcing them to sneak and be on a deal. And, you know, instead of there are so many men who I'm sure would want to come out, but for whatever reason, whether it be their job or their family or their religion or whatever it is that can't. Um, and then they end up, like you said, showing a torso and having a, a download profile on these yeah. dating Um it's sad that they just that society won't just allow people to really live their true lives and be who they are, who they are. Um, I hope that one day that we'll be able to get past that stigma of gay is wrong because we know it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's life. It's, it, people are born with these feelings. People are born with these tendencies. Um, I honestly don't think that. And, you know, I know a lot of um, I have a lot of gay friends. I have gay family members. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time with all walks of people and my personal opinion is that it's not something that you become or something that you turn to I feel like it's something that's always been inside of you even as a child and people have their different reasons for coming out or not coming out but I just feel like I wish that and it slowly it's happening with the equality rights and and you know the um being able to be gay and married and adopting that whole thing but one day <laughs> one day it'll be more accepted and especially in the black community um that men are able to just live their free lives and maybe then there won't be so many down low men but um sadly it's so many men that feel as though that they have to hide for various reasons and you know I feel for them yeah um, I, I like I like the clapbacks a lot from like people where they're like you know especially black men in the industry who um you know are like oh somebody calls them gay and then they're like who the fuck cares like it doesn't matter like i feel like omar apollo recently did that like they like and then sent out a tweet like yeah like i suck dick you know like and it doesn't but like he doesn't care (laughs) you know like and i i find it interesting though that that's like a clap back to people in a negative way like I, I don't understand how when you're trying to get, when you are mad at somebody that that is like, oh, well, you know, yeah, like that doesn't make any sense to me and I'll never understand it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the same thing with like people trying to call you old, like the younger kids calling yeah. people like, oh, you old, as if old isn't the goal. You yeah. want to die tomorrow? You want to die young? Or you want to live to see 95? Like, I never thought like, about it that way. <laughs> like, do you want to live to see 95? Or are you trying to die tomorrow? Do you want to keep experiencing life? Or like, is that a bad thing? Since when did growing, you know, become a bad thing? But back to staying on topic, I really wish that things would change in a, in a quicker pace. They're slowly changing, but just not fast enough for how things are evolving in real time. Um, Atlanta is such an epicenter for homosexuality. There is so 
many gay people here living their true lives and flourishing and just being great that you'd be surprised to hear that so many people are still just not I'm really out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some other sexual stuff. So what do you think makes the best blowjob? Like what is the, if there was one thing, what do you think it is? The giver has to enjoy giving. Oh, that, okay. you're always good at something you enjoy, no matter what it is. So me personally, I think that I give a good blowjob. And it, I think that it's because I enjoy giving a blowjob. I'm, not only am I a pleaser, I just really like sucking dick. Like, I just like it. Sure. I don't know how to explain it, but I like doing it. You know, you have women that are like, ah, fuck my dick. Ugh, I ain't doing all that. But me, I, I like doing it. it. It turns me on to know that I'm pleasing and I know that I'm good at it. So it's a whole full circle thing for me. Um, of course, you know, everybody goes with the sloppy toppy. It got to be wet and you got a deep throat and you got to do this and you got to do that. And then the hands and all of this other shit. But in, in all honesty, to each their own. Like everybody doesn't like the spit dripping down to the ass crack. Everybody doesn't <laughs> too much or to move too fast or too slow. Um, so not only do you have to enjoy the act of giving, you also have to know your partner and what your and partner take likes. direction. Right. Communication that. is the key to all success and happiness, and especially in the bedroom. You yes. know, you have to not be afraid on both ends to tell what you like and to ask or to take heed because sometimes body language will tell you what they're enjoying or what they're not enjoying or even he'll tell you like oh I like it like this or slow down or do that and you can't take it as an insult as if he's trying to say you don't know what you're doing but maybe what Tommy like Jimmy don't so you gotta kind of you know switch up your strategy depending on your partner and what they like yeah I think you know uh, to me, I think a good blowjob is listening to your partner because I think that they, if somebody is not enjoying themselves and it becomes apparent, you gotta be, you gotta tell them like, wait, what am I doing wrong? Am I not, am I using too much teeth? They're like, what, what's happening here? But like, for me, my pleasure point is my balls. Like if you, that is my comfort zone, so to speak. So that is just as important as my penis. Right. When it comes to that, if you're, if you're only focusing on one area, it's never, go, I'm never going to. Never going to get there. Yeah. yeah. Never going to get there. Everybody likes something different. You have the guys that like their tip stimulated. You have the guys that want you to double duty and play with their nipples at the same time. You know, you have the ones that want to hear you moan, you know, again, you just really had to be in tune with what you're doing and, and what your partner actually likes and dislikes. So the age old question that I always, I always wonder uh, and you can speak from your perspective because I can't speak from a female's perspective, but does size really matter? In my opinion, I don't necessarily think that is true, but you can't come up to me being like, oh, I want to fuck you tonight and then come armed with some chapstick. Like, it's just <laughs> not, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, yeah. this is not how this works. Like, yeah. it's not going to happen. Like, so I think it's relative when it comes to what that person's trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. So of course, size matters, right? However, it's not the end all be all because you can have a baseball bat and don't know how to swing that motherfucker. Or you can be working with a, a cocktail weenie and really 
do a good job with what you got. Um, again, it goes on to knowing your partner and what your partner likes. And it also goes uh, as far as kind of confidence, right? Because I've had... I've had an extra medium Vienna sausage that I enjoyed, you know, but at the same time, it was the level of passion that I had for the person and, and how they presented themselves sexually. You get what I'm saying? Um, I've also had a big old baseball bat that I just did not enjoy because even though it, it was fulfilling, pun intended, the motion in the ocean just wasn't getting me where I needed to be there. The passion wasn't there. So um, it does matter, but I kind of can say that it doesn't at the same time because everything is a factor. Me personally, I'm in my forties and I've been having sex since my teens, you know, and I think that personally I hit my stride in my thirties to where as though I really can understand my body and what I'm doing and understand my partner at the same time. Um, again, the big and the small, I personally, I, I tend to, these days, I tend to want to stay in the, in the medium kind of airspace. Like I don't want no big old dick. I don't want to be knocked out <laughs> by a penis. I don't want my uterus being shifted. I don't want my cervix being poked. I don't, I don't need all of that to pleasure myself. I mean, to be pleasured in, in the bedroom. Um, I think that passion, uh, foreplay, oral, and just sexual communication um, plays a, if not, it balances out the size, it might even tip the scale a little bit for me personally, because just speaking from experience. You want to know something so funny that uh, it wasn't until I started sharing this with people that I realized it was a common misnomer, like some people didn't know. I saw an episode of Orange is a New Black and two of the cast members were in the bathroom and the girl found out that she peed out of a separate hole than where her vagina is. And she didn't know. And she has a vagina. She didn't know. I did not know that women pee out of a different hole. I thought it just came out. Yeah, I I know I understood that, but I just thought it all came out of the same place. I didn't so, realize that it came out of a different. Yeah, so there's a hole all the way at the top by the clitoris where the pee comes. But the way the vagina is shaped and situated, when you're sitting on a commode, is gonna go down. So it's gonna give as if it's coming out of the actual vaginal opening, but in our reality, it's not. And I'm so surprised that. Um, well, I'm not surprised that you didn't know because you don't have a vagina, yeah. but I'm surprised because this is the first time that, not that I heard the, this is my first time hearing that specific story from that TV show, but this isn't my first time hearing that a woman didn't know that. And, um, you'd be surprised how many women don't know their vaginas. You'd be surprised how many women don't even know what their vagina looks like. Like, I know exactly what my vagina looks like at all times. I know what my vagina looks like during different times of the month. I know what my vagina looks like. I can point my vagina out of a lineup. Absolutely. There are so many women who never take the time to actually, like, look and really see what's going on down I'm not going to lie. Vaginas intimidate the fuck out of me. I'm not surprised because... They, I mean, I, I just, like, there. there's a lot going on. And you guys, there's a lot of, like, parts to it and things and like you know like a dick is just easy it's like there 
It's got it's a couple of balls home. attached. Like <laughs> it's just easy. But like you yeah. look at a vagina Niners, and you need, you need like a the, manual. You're you got like, what's the inner happening? labia, you got the yeah. outer labia, you got the clitoris, you got the hood, you got the it's, urethra, it is complicated. Vaginal opening. That's there's a lot going on down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like truthfully, like it's the one thing I always say. Like, I'm like, I'm good. Like, no offense. I love vaginas, I love women. But I, I'm good and trying to figure out how to please one. I don't understand it. I don't. <laughs> and it's never going to get there. You know what I what I do find interesting is I probably have like a lot of like everyday moms and people that listen to the show. So I wonder what do you think is like the one like maybe like everyday sex tip or like how does how does a how does a working mom keep her sex life interest uh, interesting or like for me, the one thing that I always hear my female friends complain about <laughs> that they can't admit to other people is th- that they're that they masturbate. And oh. I don't think that that's an abnormal thing for women, right? And it shouldn't be. Some women don't at all. Um, masturbation is like therapy for me, especially when I'm single or not really having, a, you know, a, a current sex partner, you know break in case of emergency situation um i wait i wanted to so what do you what would you say like besides the masturbating part like what would you say is like a tip yeah right so confidence confidence is sexy being confident in yourself being confident in your breastfeeding boobs being confident in your your mommy tummy being confident with your stretch marks being confident within your skin, no matter how you look, is very important. Confidence is something that will show without speaking. You get what I'm saying? Like it'll show in your movements, it'll show in how you carry yourself, it'll show in your posture, how confident you are within yourself. And that's something that most women tend to, especially the working moms, they tend to lack, you know, the baby fucked up the body, they don't feel you know, as sexy as they used to, they're tired from working or whatever the case may be. But it's up to you to pull that confidence from within because the sexy is going to follow suit with right, you know, fall right in in line. Um, And then the whole masturbating thing, like I've been masturbating since I was a child, like TMI, but it's really a thing. I think that nobody is going to know your body more than you and you won't be able to explain or communicate to your partner what you like if you don't know what you like. So yes. exploring yourself is how you get to know yourself, aka. Yeah. DJ Clue, ladies, it got there. <laughs> get down there, figure things out, take a trip. Uh, take a trip down south. Book girl. a bed and breakfast. Hello. <laughs> you do. Pull out a hand mirror and, and, and get acquainted with what you got going on down there. Do you think uh, big dick energy is a real thing? I do. I do. I do. Um, that, that falls in line with confidence. That's the men having confidence within themselves. And I think that BDE has always been a thing. We just really didn't know what to call it. Right. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's just a man being confident and comfortable within his skin and confident with what he has and what he has to offer. And sexually putting an a exclamation point on sexually as well, not just everyday life. It's interesting because I I have a, like in West Hollywood, 
I used to bag a lot of very attractive men. And a lot of my friends would always be like, what, like, how are you doing? What, like, what what is happening? What, like, what, how are you? How is this? And it was funny because my friend, my friend would say to them, she would overhear the conversation. She would say, you know why he, he got big dick energy. Like he walks around, like he owns this motherfucking club and he does it. Like, that's the thing. Like she always used to say to me, like when Woody enters a room, you know that he's there. Like that is the epitome of big dick energy. And she, and she, and I remember her saying that and I was like, Oh, I never thought about it like that. But I think truthfully, if you can hold yourself in a room, you could bag anybody. You know, I think it's all about who you are and how you carry yourself. Absolutely. I agree. Thanks. I agree. Thanks. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. G- give the people the social and what's happening and where they can find you. So I am Gigi McGuire at G-I-G-I-M-A-G-U-I-R-E on Instagram and the Twitter, even though I'm not on Twitter as much. Um, I am also on OnlyFans. Um, That's something that we didn't talk about, but you can find me on OnlyFans. Come give me your coins. I'll give you some sexy, right? (laughs) Um, uh, I miss Show Me the Money on OnlyFans, but you can find that um, very easily by typing in ggmcguire.com. ggmcguire.com will link you directly to my OnlyFans. Um, I do private custom videos. I give a little razzle dazzle out showing these ass and titties and I got a poll and I give a little show and it's, it's a very exciting place over there. I think you should come I like it. it. I like it. Um, Angela Yee's lip service, AY lip service uh, on the social medias. We're also uh, on Angela Yee's YouTube page for the visuals. Um, you can find uh, us on all of the streaming um, wherever you find your podcast. And um, I got some things in the works. This documentary is coming up that I'm really excited about. I'm finally trying to get these uh, books done that I've been working on forever. One about just my life and experiences and the other uh, manual for the the baby strippers and the entertainment girlies that need a little mentoring and a little, you know, know know-how from the OG. And um, yeah, this, this, this enterprise of Gigi McGuire is forever growing and glowing. So who knows what's next to come from me? I'm, I'm here for the long haul. <laughs> I'm well, here to I, I, I sure as fuck hope so, because you are an incredible person. And I, I hope nothing but the success for you because you deserve it. I, I'm so lucky that I get to do these, these podcasts and get to interview people that I admire and, and love. And I, um, I only hope the best for you. Truthfully. It's been a long time coming. So I'm glad we finally were able to get it done. And yes. um, I appreciate you having me, of course. Yeah. You know what I want to, I want to have you on again and we'll do, and I'll post online or we both can, and we'll get some questions and get yeah. into a little interaction with the audience. Okay. We'll do it again yeah. for sure. Before we wrap up, give me uh will you give me like uh, Hey, this is Gigi McGuire and you're listening to what's up buddy. Hey, it's your girl, Gigi McGuire, Miss Show Me The Money, and you are listening to What's Up, Woody, with my guy. Woody, Love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, boo. Yes, yes, yes. I'll talk All right. To you. Hey, I love you. Let's uh, let's definitely make plans and get together soon. Yeah. All right, baby. I love you. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of What's Up Woody. You can listen to past episodes on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Like, rate, and subscribe now. Or by visiting whatsupwoody.com. Follow us on social media. Instagram is at Woody Woodbeck and what's underscore up Woody. And on Twitter, it's at what's up Woody one. Have an amazing day and be kind to one another.